Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The conversation continues Continues. with Dean Mackin on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And welcome back to the program. Something that I forgot to uh, mention, Dr. Peter Reed, who I just spoke to, does tremendous work. And if you'd like to help him in his work, uh, and it is immense and it requires funding, you can do that. You can get onto ipa.org.au. It's tax deductible. So if you'd like to help the likes of Dr. Peter Reed, and all these people doing terrific work, they have very little to gain by doing it. And again, we have to help them out because all these people with the the other science, the not true science, they're well and truly funded up the Yazoo. They have plenty of money. So when you get fair income people such as him, we'd like you to get on there and help out. It is tax, deduct- tax deductible, ipa.org.au. Yes, as I <laughs> as I mentioned yesterday, places, the on, you know, most of the mainstream media, lame stream media, not that I think anybody watches or listens anymore, apart from the odd bit of uh, uh, bait that they put out there, places like the Daily Mail, and, you know, they go on there on Facebook, and it's something about Madonna, something about Sam Smith, something designed to make you bite and comment, and just to make you aware that they still exist to pretend so that they can pretend that they're advertisers, that they're still relevant. They're not relevant. They are irrelevant. People, smart people switching off in droves. And that is why when it comes to ratings in TV and radio, anything that goes through an antenna, they love it. You know why? Because you have no clue how many people are watching a TV transmission or listening to a radio transmission. No clue. They can make those numbers up. And because even the numbers that they do know that they can prove through ratings, a very flawed system here in Australia and around the world, one that I think is steered towards their mates, by the way, so their mates can make some money uh, pushing their false narratives. But at the end of the day, it's always in percentages, not numbers, because those numbers would be a small percentage of the numbers that they used to be. I would suggest your typical TV audience today, despite the fact that our population would probably be, you know, double what it was, I don't know, 20, 20-something years ago, maybe 25, 30 years ago. The simple fact is I would suggest, I'm having a guess and I should try and find the numbers, I would have a guess they probably have 70% less people watching TV today. Why would you watch TV when you've got things like this? This, TNT, you can go to YouTube, you can go to Rumble, you can find what you want, and as soon as you watch one interesting thing, it just pops up and gives you another one, another one, another one. Why would you bother with lame stream media? I think they're on the way out because they don't want you to know the truth. They don't want you to know that Donald Trump is immensely popular, more popular than he's ever been, and not just more popular, but, you know, his opposition, wow. You know, weekend at Bernie's Biden, a guy who is just absolutely incoherent, has no clue what is going on. And 75% of other Democrats don't support him. They don't want him there. They just hate Donald Trump that much that they will put up with anybody who they think has the numbers. Obviously, whoever Joe Biden's puppeteer is, and I guarantee that guy could not function. He probably couldn't organise his own breakfast in the morning. I do mean that literally. Um, If he didn't have his minders and his, his puppeteer, it would be all pointless. So really any support that comes from the Democrats for Joe Biden would probably, in fact, be for the likes of Barack Obama 
who probably is, many suggest, the guy who is writing all of his speeches, the guy, not that he can get through one of those, by the way, uh, and certainly his policies are dictated by the likes of Barack Obama. I disagree. I disagree with that personally. I think their orders, their orders come from much, much higher up. Um, and it is global governance. I mean, Gemma and I are always telling you how much we are in lockstep. I just spoke to 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 Billy over there in New Zealand. Exact same thing, lockstep, lockstep, lockstep. And over in Germany now, austerity measures, the farmers having to take to the streets in record numbers in their tractors, blocking the roads, good on them. But austerity measures in a place that is as industrious as Germany. I mean, the Germans, it doesn't get more industrious than the Germans. If they're being shut down, it's not because overnight they just got stupid. They didn't. Well, maybe they did at the ballot box because it's the people they're putting into the equation. I mean, Angela Merkel has done more damage to that country. I mean, I'm not going to say it because I'll probably be on the front page of the paper than that other character did to Germany. But I mean, I honestly believe that. I think she's done far more damage than anybody has ever done to Germany. Uh, and certainly that includes Russia at the end of the Second World War. I mean, the country is on its knees. This is a, an industrial, uh, very smart country. And again, they don't have their own energy. They are, are finding it hard to get things, uh, the raw materials to manufacture. And again, it's all the red tape, it's all the bureaucracy, the BS and the bad governance, not to mention the army that comes in, the army that, we're, that we welcome with open arms because we're so inviting, we're so kind into their country, typically fighting age males, no women or children to be seen. And again, millions upon millions of them in Germany and of course our countries here in lockstep, we have gone absolutely and utterly mad. And why do we put up with it? Some people say rank cowardice, don't wanna be called a name. Be called a name, speak up, get busy so you can look your grandkids in the face and say, at least I did something. You have to do that. And I know I'm preaching to the converted and you're all like that already here. You're good people, you've done that. But what I'm saying is we need to have, you need to have that exact conversation with people that you know who are friends of yours who just aren't doing enough. They're just not doing enough. They're going along with the old Aussie adage, she'll be right, mate. What a load of crap. What an absolute load of crap. And again, for those who uh, have just gone along in increments, and you've only noticed it's a little bit worse than it used to be last week, have a look 40 years ago. And you tell me if you can even recognise the country that you're living in from 40 years ago to today. And why? Because we were too quiet for too long. It's going to get exponentially worse, so make a decision. Okay, now do you have a suggestion for a possible guest that you'd like to hear or see here at TNT, or perhaps you've got a topic that you feel that we should discuss, then we want to hear from you. Simply complete the suggestion form at the TNT website, and you can help us make a difference here at TNT. There's a lot going on, so it's important to stay informed and up to date. Get ready, because here we go. At the top, 30 minutes past and when it breaks. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And welcome back to the program. I'll tell you what, Gemma, if uh, Germany's doing it tough, Aren't we all doing it tough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in lockstep, uh, as we point out so much on this show. You know, it, it's been so interesting uh, co-hosting with you at this time of day. It's a very early morning here in the UK. Obviously, it's the afternoon in Australia. Um, but the, the, the stuff you say, and obviously we had Dirk on yesterday talking about the German farmers, we are completely in lockstep. Some of the stuff you say, I think, my God, Dean's, Dean's been to the UK and he's seen how we're living here. And, I, you know, the parallels are quite extraordinary, actually. And just hearing there at Matt Boylan's news roundup at the top of the hour, you know, you've got Australian hosts talking about new variants, new variants 
variants. We've had headlines like that now for weeks here in the UK. Worries about fears about new variants. Oh, get, put your masks back on. People aren't buying it, but the fear tactics that are being employed there about new variants and this it, it, in Australia, it's exactly the same in the UK. We are completely in in lockstep in in the Western Hemisphere. There is no doubt about that. Um, but we're also in lockstep. Uh, with the with the pushback and just hearing you there saying oh you know people aren't doing enough and it's up to us to talk to our friends and family and and your you know your classic Aussie expression of she'll be right you don't need to do anything um, because people kind of do feel powerless but then you can just use TNT as an example of how not to feel powerless you know you think oh what can I do well start a radio station start a t TV station start a broadcasting outlet it's TNT's second birthday today and that came from a brainchild of somebody saying right I'm, I'm sick of the mainstream I'm sick of the lies i'm going to do it myself lo and behold two years later tnt is still here we're here so change can be affected from a grassroots level because there are enough of us now to mobilize and get together that's the key it's not about one person standing up it's about one person standing up and then joining with other people who are standing up hence we're talking from other sides of the world so today uh, to the tnt audience um because we're all together in this that's how we affect change. So, you know, when people say, well, what can I do? Do whatever you are good at. Do whatever your heart tells you to do, because you will find other people doing it as well. And then we will build this growing resistance against those who seek to control us. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. And by the way, thank you for bringing it up. I had a note to talk about it. Two years today. And I can't believe how far TNT has come in that two years. I mean, uh, it looks and sounds as professional, in fact, far more professional than anywhere I've ever worked before. What a terrific job that uh, Mike Ryan and Jennifer Squires have done with this particular place. I mean, and just how far we've come with the video uh, is just immense. I mean, it looks as good as anything that you're likely to see. And they've done that in such a short amount of time. And the professionals that we work with behind the scenes, our producers, our panel operators, uh, the people that do the TNT vision, a big shout out to all of you, because there's a lot of work goes on here behind the scenes. And people just getting terrific guests takes so much effort. It takes far more time than me as an announcer have to spare in a week just to get guests for a two hour program. It's a hell of a lot of work and uh, it just accolades to all of those that do the job and they're all paid very well here. And of course, that's why I remind you uh, to keep that going. People, you have to spread the word about TNT. You've got, you, there's a thing where you can donate some money and help as well. But certainly if you can raise awareness, uh, we'll be around for a long, long time. But if you have to do your part and that is, and as a Christmas present to TNT, if you can just get a couple more people to start watching or listening, I think that would be the best present that Mike and Jenny and all of us here at TNT could ever ask for. So happy birthday. Happy second birthday, TNT. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely second that for the second birthday. Yeah, I mean, it's, for me, it's a delight to be here after so many years got captured in the matrix and in the mainstream till I had my uh, perception shift. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, uh, but talking about lockstep, actually, um, obviously we've got... Sorry, Jen, before yeah? you go on, can I just ask, you know, when you said you had that change, you know, that transition, wh when did that happen? What was, what was the the one thing where you remember going, uh-oh, oh, there's something wrong here, and that started that shift. What was it for you? We've all gone through it, but what, what was it for you? Oh, my goodness me. Well, that's a whole other show. <laughs> um, it's not. It was a gradual perception shift. As a It was an internal shift first. I mean, I have talked about this, actually, um, with Ross Cameron on his show. Uh, it, he interviewed me for an hour, and then I went into more depth about what happened to me. Uh, it was an internal process sparked by um, some trauma in my life. I started doing a lot of um, yoga and meditation. I really, really was into yoga uh, for quite a few years, a hot yoga, actually. And um, through doing that, I just went to the yoga studio to start to feel better about some events
events that had gone on in my life. And I was still completely, you know, uh, the old me. But as I was going more and more into yoga and meditation, I had some very, 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 quote unquote, strange experiences, <laughs> very strange, paranormal. Um, and an, an internal process began to happen where I got in touch with the real me and my, I, let, I let my ego was kind of being dissolved a bit and the real me, the kind of higher self, if you want to call it that. I know it sounds very out there for a Wednesday, but this is what happened to me. It's my story. It's my truth. Um, as I began to kind of let my old personality down, which was nothing more than a construct given to me by the by my programming when I was young, um, as that started to dissolve, the real me, the essence of me came forward. And that, it's like, it's almost like your ego goes down and your soul becomes in the driving seat. And once your soul's in the driving seat and your heart and consciousness are in the driving seat, you see the world literally differently. So I just saw things more clearly for what they were. And that led to a whole scale reevaluation of my life. And then 2020 happened and I thought, right, this uh, I've been reading about this and hearing about this. this. I didn't think it would happen in my lifetime. Here we are. Um, and I kind of just shed my old life and then 2020 happened. It confirmed everything I knew. And here we are today. I walked away from everything in 2021. I thought I'm not taking part in this anymore. I cannot, literally cannot do it. So that's it in a nutshell. If it, if it makes and any, if it makes any sense to anybody. It, does. It, makes, it makes perfect sense. And I love what you said about the last three or four years being an affirmation for anyone that's gone through that transition. And now you just know you're right. You know, you know, you made the right decision. You know, you came to the right side. I started off as a kid that just had this natural uh, uh, lack of trust for authority, a, a disrespect for it. And it turns out I'm very respectful of authority when it comes from the right place. I just, um, I just felt there was something wrong from a young age and went with it, you know, so uh, it is. But anyway, sorry, I've hijacked you again. Gemma, tell me what you've got for us today. Well, it's just keeping an eye on this uh, ongoing situation in, in Ecuador. Obviously, um, you know, it, it's emerging now how serious it is in the country with the television studio just a few hours ago, actually, a Tuesday evening, Ecuadorian time, being stormed by masked gunmen live on air, live on air in a television studio and staff being told to lie on the ground. And um, police did make 13 arrests and seize the weapons. But still, this happened on a live television station in Ecuador uh, on a TCTV and uh, people in the country were watching. It so there's a real climate of fear in the country now. Uh, there's a 60 day uh, state of emergency, there's a curfew now that's been imposed in the evenings. It's only a matter of time before the magic word lockdown is used, I think, with uh, when it comes to Ecuador. And of course, it's all because of the ongoing violence between the drug cartels and the, the kingpin who broke out of prison when he was being moved just a few days ago has sparked this massive wave of violence as gangs uh, fight over the uh, tr cocaine trade routes into America and into to the UK. Now, America is saying it's a, it's going to provide assistance to the Ecuadorian government and the Ecuadorian prime minister, the youngest prime minister, actually, that's uh, ever, uh, president, sorry, that's ever been elected. And of course, the reason for that is that Ecuador um, produces a lot of, of goods that go into America, bananas, shrimp, coffee, oil, cocoa. Uh, it's not just cocaine that comes out of that part <laughs> of the world. There is a lot of stuff that America needs. Um, and obviously, if you've got 21 gangs, uh, I mean, th this guy was the leader of the Chineras gang, but there are 21 other gangs and they really are gangs. You know, they, the, the level of violence is quite horrific. He was serving a 34-year uh, sentence for murder, drug trafficking, and all kinds of heinous crimes. Uh, so they're not to be messed with. So, you know, it's all about trade routes, which will affect 
other trade routes for goods coming out of that country. So this situation is likely to escalate. As I say, there's a curfew been imposed, 60-day state of emergency. Uh, people are very, very frightened. They say they've never seen anything like this. And of course, can you imagine? We talk about broadcasting a lot. We're both broadcasters. Can you imagine you're sitting down in the evening with your family, watching TV, watching this news channel, and suddenly the whole thing is stormed by masked gunmen? Who, who could have carried out executions live on air. That will uh, go into the collective consciousness of that country, and it has. Um, people say they're terrified. But as I say, curfew, it's only a matter of time, I think, before the magic word lockdown is used in Ecuador because uh, this situation is escalating by the day. Yeah. Uh, it, it is frightening. And here I was, I stand corrected. I said the only thing that would ever make me watch free-to-air TV ever again would have been the NRL grand final or the state of origin. But when you've got stuff like that's go going on, it would be hard not to watch, but certainly horrific what, what's happening over there. And you wouldn't want to be uh, at the other end of those guns when that happens. Having said that, if it ever happened to us, Gemma Cooper, it would be a bunch of left-wing people. So we could use harsh words or crumpled bits of paper to combat them, and they'd probably run a mile. So, so we do have that on our side, certainly not when it's those characters, though. Gemma Cooper, I thank you very much. You'll be joining us again. Uh, are you joining us next hour or the hour after? I know we've got some changes happening here over the next uh, few days. So you'll be back in about two hours time. Yeah. Two hours with Rick Munn and Natalie Chill on Open Line. Yeah. There you go. Thank you, Gemma Cooper. We'll chat tomorrow. Just said, oh, yeah, Thursday. I had to make sure it wasn't on Friday. That's Gemma Cooper, everybody. We're going to talk to Ash Mahmoud, a man who I met. And I think it's fair to say we made friends the other day. And I was just that in, enamored by the interview. I said, we're going to do a part two later in the week. And he's there. He's going to join us on the other side of this break. Everyone stick around. This is TNT. TNT Radio's Joe Hoff. Just a terrible situation there, and Biden was behind it, pushing these arms, pushing billions of dollars over there. We don't know where that money went. I'll bet you money. I'll bet you a huge percent uh, went. I bet you more than fifty percent didn't go to the uh, to the people or to the war. Uh, it went to people's pockets, kind of like what we have in in uh, Palestine. Uh, with the U.S. since since well under Biden, uh, Trump shut this down, thank God. But under Biden, Obama, they started sending billions over to. Uh, that part of the world these people are, have been after israel forever and, and uh, supported by iran and billions of dollars going their way and uh, to help them not uh, you know basically uh create chaos in the middle east terrorism and and we saw what happened earlier this year about a month ago uh, the two one attack in israel and the death and destruction rape and kidnapping more than 240 people kidnapped joe hoft on today's news talk radio tnt Take us back in time, and who was Mike Flynn? He was the national security advisor to the president. Why is it that they go after me so hard? Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming president of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, you have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? There was no Russian collusion to cover up. We see in today's current uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's going to protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. At this moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism, 
or you're talking about communism. Socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism. But the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone rogue. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization and brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And give, now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat. People will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The Fall of Deceit at SalemNow.com. TNTRadio.live. Online. Online. Online streaming. Be a part of the conversation. I stream it all at work, and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go. TNT. And welcome back to the program. For a guy who sold his internet company, said he was going to retire at 39 years of age, I, I, I now have four jobs. And I love my four jobs because every one of them, I get to meet people, people that I become friends with, people who I think are terrific. And uh, this fellow, we've recently become friends after our last interview because I was just so enamored by him. His name is Ash Mahmood. He is an award-winning filmmaker and activist. He's a science teacher as well. And at the start of the COVID tyranny, he launched a national social archive called Planet Uplift to give people a voice uh, who questioned the state narrative and the lockdown restrictions, as well as those who suffered as a result of tyranny. And it's just terrific. You absolutely have to get onto Planet Uplift and check out the work that he does. We've got him back because we're going to talk about some of that in depth today when we've got more time than we had the other day. Ash Mahmood, welcome back. Hello there. Welcome, Dean. Really good to see you again. Nice to be back so soon. Mate, likewise, we'll talk about the stuff that your brother does as well a little bit later. Mate, now, again, the, the filmmaker, well, like I said, you had this awakening and you became active. You did all that. And, and you know, there was a handful of people that did that, a small handful. But you went one further. You did things like make films. I mean, that is something above and beyond. Tell us how that all started, because I really would love to know how that transitioned from, from waking up and going, this is wrong and I'm going to do something. But, I mean, to go and make a film, I mean, that's a huge jump. Yes, well, as I said, uh, I might have mentioned to you last time, it all started off because of, uh, yeah, I obviously had that awakening. And I went to the uh, toy shop because the gentleman on Twitter made an announcement. I picked up on it and he said, if you're, you know, if you want to, if anyone comes to my shop without a mask, I'll give a 10% discount. And it was coming <laughs> up to Christmas, you see. So it was the uh, lockdowns at Christmas. And he defied the lockdowns and kept his shop open, even though the council had come to threaten him, uh, to force him to shut down. So I thought, well, I've got to go down there and support the business. But also I had uh, a group of kids that 
uh, you know, friends of uh, my friend's children were there as well. And uh, I said, you know, if they're willing to, let's all go out together and uh, get some gifts for the kids so that we can feel like it's Christmas because they were really trying to prevent us from getting together over this very important uh, period, uh, you know, for, for the British people. So we went down and uh, met up with him. And I thought, well, I've got to document this guy because a lot of voices like that were getting censored and people weren't aware that they were, you know, such uh, characters defying the lockdowns and also awakening and feeling the same way. And also just to know about his existence, uh, that he had this shop and it was open. Uh, so that was how it all began. And from there, the, the phone didn't really stop ringing. So I got a lot of calls from lots of other people. And it took me in a uh, different directions as well, because I ended up meeting people historically. So uh, people who had suffered at the hands of actually the NHS, for example, historically, uh, going back to... Um, 1978 i met a lady who lost her daughter in 1978 she was the first uh, victim of the epilim drug and uh, this was actually noted by sanofi so that was the drug company they actually admitted that the death had been caused by the, the drug epilim except uh, this was hidden from the inquest and that was in 1978 and this lady's story had been suppressed you know for the last 40 odd years so I spoke with her and then through her, uh, another person contacted me and that was one of the most uh, uh, horrendous cases of neglect and, you know, possibly manslaughter by the NHS at every stage. Uh, there were so many, um, uh, you know, systematic uh, mistakes, as they call it, by the NHS. And this was with a, a baby, basically, that managed to survive to one years old before it, the baby sadly passed away. So all these voices, you know, needed these stories needed to be told. And so, yeah, it went back historically. I think people need to realize that everything just didn't start. The tyranny just didn't start with COVID. This had been going back a long, long time ago. And, you know, children and young people and babies were being experimented on. And then you've probably heard of the Liverpool Care Pathway, which is where people were put on end of life drugs but that didn't just start in 2020 although that seemed to accelerate the number of people who who lost their lives as a result of being put on end of life uh, drugs so but this had been going on for quite a long time and they said that the liverpool care pathway was no longer in existence but so many people came forward and said well no you know this happened to my mum or this happened to my to my husband and so, it wasn't just older people some of them were very young some were vulnerable people so yes um, you know, there's so many others, there's so many other people that have tried to contact me. And obviously, I can only spend some time on the weekends uh, doing this because I work as a teacher during the week. But I'm trying to, you know, get as many voices as I can uh, recorded so that we have this archive of evidence of all the people, stories that have just been hidden. I love what you did. And if you look at the psychology from two different directions, I mean, A, you know, you're um, you're raising awareness of that which people are doing. But more importantly, I'll, I'll go back to that toy shop, for example. You are documenting a man who at the time was an utterly super brave champion of a fella. Uh, not just for the, not just because he's helping kids out and promoting Christmas and trying to put back into society all that which they sucked out like vampires. But moving forward, people will look at people like him and go, you know what? If you stand up, somebody like Ash Mahmood may come along and document me doing this. And and what a brilliant thing that would be to do to do the right thing and to be noticed for doing it. And that from that perspective as well, I just think it's true. What was the name of that toy shop, by the way? 
The name of the toy shop was uh, Magpie Toys. Unfortunately, he he didn't survive. The business didn't survive. The lockdown really took a hard hit on him. In the end, the police came and shut the, the shop down. And that, unfortunately, was the end of his resistance. And he didn't survive, um, which is unfortunate. We tried our best to support him. But uh, he was, to be honest, his business was in a bit of difficulty because of the online industry. You know, people are buying toys online, unfortunately, as well. So, uh, but I think the lockdown, unfortunately, because it was so sustained, so it wasn't just the one at Christmas or the one before that. There was another one after that as well. And yeah, it just, in the end, it got too much for him when the police turned up and forced him to shut down, threatening him with arrest. It, it really no, he is. didn't survive. Mate, it's horrific because even though we all lived mm. through it, you know, we kind of got a bit used to it. Uh, uh, and now even when you hear it looking back through years, um, did we feel at the time as deeply as we, we should have? We built up this sort of resistance, this psychological uh, coating, if you will, for our own well-being. I think uh, many of us, mm. uh, we probably needed it. But, mate, it's horrific to hear that that happened to his business. But, mate, that guy forever a champion and you've, you've made him that forever because you documented yeah. the fact. And I, I just think that's absolutely wonderful, which brings me on to, to your brother. Who also is a director of a film creating uh, created during the lockdown? It's called uh, Gods of Their Own Religion, mate. And you were the associate producer for that. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, my brother, uh, yeah, Naeem, we got together during the, this whole process because I went to visit my mum to check up on her. I wasn't, to be honest, uh, on talking terms with my brother. We were reasonably amicable, but we were not that close. We used to make films together before. So I got together Well, I went to visit my mum and he was quite worried because he had said he had been shooting the film, a feature film. It was not called Gods of Their Own Religion yet. It was just a short film and had nothing to do with the lockdown because the lockdown hadn't hadn't begun and their COVID hadn't really took off yet when he started shooting the short film. So he said when the lockdowns happened in the beginning in April, he said, come on, guys, who's out there? Who's going to come out there and start carrying on filming with me because we've got to keep going? And he got a lot of backlash from that. And some festivals, film festivals, said we don't want to ever we don't want to ever associate with you again. And you're harming people and you're crazy. And so he he got a lot of um quite a lot of vitriol as a result of that. And he was quite worried. Uh, so I think when I turned up, he thought it might be someone else uh, who'd found out what he was up to, but it was only me. And so he, I think he was quite relieved, and I was quite relieved that you know he was taking this stand and we weren't gonna follow any of this nonsense. Uh, but it, to me, to be honest with him, I've got to take my hat off to him because I didn't expect that he would follow this tyranny because I remember in 2011, I was filming an event for a very corrupt, another example of a you know, corrupt government at a local level. It was the Kensington Council. And uh, there were a whole host of people in there. Most of the people in this uh, event, uh, it was a mayor's event. So the mayor was going to come along and uh, celebrate something or other. And the people who were there, the guests, none of them were really supporters of this uh, this Conservative Party at the time. It's not really the Conservative Party that we know it to be. So, um, you know, the mayor, the mayor's, um, the mayor arrives, and there's a gentleman that comes in front of him with a mace and bangs the mace and says, "All rise for His Worshipful, the Mayor of uh, you know Kensington Town Hall or whatever." And everyone got up, even though all of these people were not in favour of this this mayor. The only person that didn't get up was my brother. So I I told him <laughs> I that. And I said, I'm not surprised. He goes, well, I'm going to, if someone tells me to stand up, well, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't expect 
you know, if someone comes to visit me, I say, hey, stand up for me. You know, it just doesn't, the world doesn't work like that. And he saw through that. And I remember that. And I said to him, I didn't think you would follow this because I remember you always thought for yourself and you didn't follow the crowd. If someone said to you, do this, you always said, no, I think I'll think about it first. And actually, if I don't need to do it, I won't do it. So he was always quite uh, questioning from a long time before. So, yeah, Ash, we got together, you know, uh, and it was brilliant ever since. Ash, uh, we've got to do a short commercial break and then we'll be sure. back. I, I love when people do stuff like that because it's very inspiring. And movement, that's how a movement starts with people refusing to stand. And why would you stand for someone that you have absolutely, in fact, not only uh, no respect for, but sometimes contempt? Why would you possibly do along just because everyone else is? And I think it's wonderful yeah. when people do that. Ash Mahmood will be back right after these short news headlines. Everyone, this is TNT. Attention. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Donald Trump has called for urgent action to be taken to stop Democrats from stealing the upcoming presidential election. Just when we thought we had seen the last of COVID-19, authorities in Australia are once again sounding the alarm. And America's first mission to the moon in more than 50 years has failed after its unmanned spacecraft suffered a fuel leak making it impossible to carry out a soft landing on the lunar surface. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. And welcome back. I'm with Ash Mahmuda, an award-winning filmmaker, activist. He's a science teacher as well. I've got to ask you, Ash, um, I know a lot of teachers and I know how it is in our, our education system. Did you face any, any backlash as a teacher for doing the things that you've been doing? No, I think this has been the remarkable part of it is that I've always spoken out. I've never shied away. Uh, but somehow uh, there's been no backlash. I've been quite fortunate in that sense. Um, I'm, I mean, all the kids know what I'm about because many of the other classes, kids that I don't teach, they always pop in and say, tell us all about uh, this, that or the other, or tell us about the, the jabs and things like that. So they all are aware of my stance. Um, you know, they're aware of my spirituality. They sometimes ask me about, um, tell us about the, the manifestations that, that have come true because I tell them, for example, that I manifested a tennis court because I'd really... Uh, wanted a tennis court to be built next to my house. There's this space there, and I thought it's such a waste. It'd be so nice if they built some some sports facilities there. For me, tennis is my game, so I thought if they could build a tennis court, and a month later that they did. And sometimes I tell the kids, uh, you know, many people might think I'm crazy, but uh, I told them the trees talk to me, and they not not verbally, obviously, but they do communicate. And you know, we we do know that trees are very social social um, living organisms. So, uh, yeah, I was just telling them a story about the fact that, uh, you know, the wind blew and I heard the trees that rustling, the leaves rustling in the wind. And uh, I thought, oh, my gosh, I've left my debit card at home. So I went back to the door and the keys are in the door. So to me, that's uh, almost as if the trees were communicating with me and, uh, and supporting me, telling me I left the keys in the door. So... I tell them that kind of stuff. And I also had a, a, another incident where uh, there was a ram. We were camping somewhere in North Wales, beautiful part of the country. And the ram had uh, had its ear terribly mauled. Perhaps yes. it was caught in the barbed wire. And so it came really close to us. And it was obviously in some distress. So I contacted the owners of the campsite and said, you know, this has happened. And I was quite worried. And they said, don't worry, we'll disinfect the ear. It'll be fine. 
1 a.m. at night, we were burning our logs and the, the, the fire was really roaring. And so we had to sort of stay up till the whole fire died down. And then the ram was literally there. 1 a.m. in the night, the ram was just stood there. I didn't see it arrive. I didn't see it leave. And obviously it wasn't uh, meant to be there. But it had come there as if to say thank you or as if to say, you know, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. So, yeah, you start to have these connections with with animals, with nature, with trees. And I think, you know, when you think about it, what we see with our eyes is just a very small part of the whole electromagnetic spectrum. So there's so much out there in the unseen. Uh, you know, there's so much going on. Uh, and we only just see a tiny bit of it. We detect a very small amount of sound. Uh, we know there's so much else going on. I think that, uh, yeah, sometimes you really can, if you start to just tap into yourself and not always look for answers externally, you start to discover more about who you are and you start to discover the oneness that you have with the universe and your own divinity. And uh, miracles really start to happen, like the tennis court getting built, so the tennis courts were built. Um, and uh, all sorts of other things have happened. To my brother, I mean, so much has happened to him. You wouldn't believe it. I mean, the way that he made the film, there was no budget for Gods of Their Own Religion, and he was making it up as he was going along. And uh, a lot of the cast and crew were not awakened souls, but they were subconsciously just drawn to him because he had he's, he was so giving, he let go of his ego, and he was so caring to every each and every cast and crew. And uh, it was such a camaraderie. There was so much love, lots and lots of support that no one really wanted to go home because I think it offered an, an outlet for a lot of these uh, human beings, you know, that they had a place to go. It was a cathartic release for them, uh, helped their mental health and well-being because otherwise a lot of them were living on their own. They would have been isolated. They, they didn't have any work either because at the time the film industry was completely subservient to the the lockdown, you know, architects basically, and were just complying with them. So what he did was very unique. I think it's the only uh, feature film that defied and went against the COVID narrative. I can't find any other feature film that's done that. Uh, so it's really unique in that sense, and the fact that he did it for no budget, no script, no permission, and that defies all of the regulations, you know, because here we are, the public paying their taxes. And those taxes are being used to harm us. And by complying, that's also harming the people. And here my brother was uh, defying all of this and bringing people together and telling the story of the truth of what tyranny was going on. And, and as, when he had the premiere, he sold out. So there you go. As, I'm going to ask the question. Um, how do people get on to, how can they see this particular this movie, uh, I need a couple of website addresses. You can tell people, A, how they can get on the planet Uplift, and B, how they can see these these films. That would be terrific because we're running out of time. Yes. Uh, I mean, we we it's, I think the best place to go would be to go to Naeem's website. But if you just literally Google in Gods of Their Own Religion, so much stuff will come up. So he's got, um, he's got Twitter, he's got Instagram and um, uh, Facebook. And then he's got his own website, which is www.naimamu.co.uk. So there's that as well. For Planet Uplift, I mean, you just, if you go to BitChute, or you can follow me on Twitter, which is Ash TFE, and you can find me there. Well, Ash, it could be the universe talking to me because A, I'm thinking I'd like to talk more, but I'm out of time. But I'm just getting uh, a message that the next guest hasn't showed up yet. So if you want to hang around till after the break, it could be you, you and I for another 15 minutes. I could do that, yeah. 
which I'm super that's happy no about problem. if that's the case. Great. All right, Ash yeah. Mahmood, hold that thought. We'll be back at TNT after this short break. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go. I didn't think I'd survive. But I did ask for help, and Covenant House was there for me. One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there. Covenant House helped me break the cycle of homelessness in my family. They gave me the love that I needed. Over 2,000 young people will sleep safely in a Covenant House bed tonight. When youth who are experiencing homelessness have a hot meal, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love, they can overcome heartbreaking challenges and have a brighter future. They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed, and I'm succeeding. I'm a, I'm a speaker, I'm an author. Covenant House really helped me and really helped mold me into the woman I am today. If you or someone you love is asking for help, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. Life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome. Pre-diabetes does. One in three adults has pre-diabetes, but with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. And you can change the outcome. Take the one-minute pre-diabetes risk test today. Go to doihaveprediabetes.org. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk TNT Radio. And welcome back to the program. I'm very happy because I get to talk to my friend, Ash Mahmood, just a little bit more. Uh, our next guest, uh, we, he may have got his time zone wrong, I don't know. So it looks like we'll be ha having a bit more time to chat to Ash Mahmood. But I love that the education system is so much more tolerant, it would seem, yeah. over there in the UK. Because, I mean, my, my wife's a teacher. If she did any of this, um, you know, over here, I mean, the whole staff room would go absolutely berserk. So obviously um, a lot less bigotry and a lot more tolerance over there in the education system than we find here in Australia. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, it depends, I guess, from school to school and, uh, you know, the, the staff team. But I mean, I must be honest, it was I couldn't find, as I said, anyone who was uh, defying any of the regulations. Everyone was masked up. So uh, and just going in the staff room, uh, you know, but there weren't many staff attending as well because a lot of people wanted to work from home. I wanted to come along to support a lot of the vulnerable people who were able to go back to school or uh, children of uh, key workers. And I was a key worker myself. So I said, you know, I've got to go to work. I can't stay home here, sitting at home and taking the money and, you know, uh, relaxing like a lot of people were or being afraid. So I wasn't afraid of this at all because I didn't really believe in it. So I was straight back to school and a few other staff uh, to to commend them did turn up. But most of them, the attitude that they had was, you know, we've got to get all the kids jabbed or, you know, some of them had very young children, even younger than the actual age of which they were beginning to to target in terms of providing these uh, jabs for COVID. Uh, and they were saying, you know, my daughter's seven, but I, if, if the rules allowed her to get jabbed, I'd get her jabbed as well. So, you know, the attitude of the teachers generally was not very uh, favorable. So I still, you know, I'm still surprised at the fact that I'm I'm, I'm in, in a job, really. But I mean, I, I'm willing to to sacrifice it all. But I thought I didn't want to uh, scream and shout about it because I thought then I'd just be out of the door in one minute. I thought I need to be in this place. I need to be in there to be able to 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 help the kids, you know, because they were going through so much anxiety, uh, so much stress. 
uh, and fear as well. So I thought just being there, just comforting them, which is clearly what they needed, was very important before anything else, just to be a face that said, look, don't worry, I'm here for you. Um, and, you know, let's let's try and uh, enjoy ourselves as best we can. I remember there were little kids uh, uh, in year seven who were about 11 years old, and um, they said, could we play a song? I mean, they said, wanted to play a song called Barbie Girl. So I said, yeah, let's play Barbie Girl. <laughs> And they loved it. You know, they, they're only 11 years old. They're, they're um, girls. And uh, after that, you know, I'd walk into that class because they they were they were stuck in one class and we would move around from classroom to classroom. So they were in one class all day long and they were not allowed to mix with other, other groups as well. So, yeah, any kind of fun that we could have had, you know, I tried my best to do that. And it was it was quite, you know, really moving for me because uh i was actually thinking about leaving the profession before because it just wasn't working out for me but here during this period i realized that i was you know put in this place for a reason to be there for those kids as this voice because the kids could sense that something wasn't right um and so just being there for them at that time was very important so yeah when i would arrive in that class um for the next lesson the kids would just stand up and start clapping and applauding me as if they were just so happy to, to see me. So I've never had that kind of reception. So you knew you were doing something right. Uh, and that that was very precious for me. So I thought, I've got to stay here. I've got to stick around and uh, for as long as I can uh, I, I, and raise awareness, really, you know. I love that because, I mean, kids are born intuitive. And it's only that mm. we live in this bizarro world where up is down and left is right that they start yeah. to doubt their own, you know, their own intuition. Mm. And when you've got one yeah. person that comes in and says, hey, you know, I've got a different perspective for you. And not only that, not only do you let them realize that, hey, maybe they were right all along, but the other thing, you weren't, you weren't, you know, peddling or, you know, fear porn like, like the media was. You were saying the exact opposite. It's all okay. Mm. We're going to be okay. It was exactly what those kids yeah. needed. And that's why, why people yeah. like you are, are so wonderful. Getting back to what you were saying about, you know, um, wanting something that it happens or the trees. And I had an experience when I was uh, 29 years of age. Admittedly, I may have had a couple of drinks, but I was always quite intuitive when I'd go out to the point where I could tell people things about their younger life that they'd never told anybody. And they'd say, how do you know that? And I just felt it. And I, I would just mm. come out and say it. And uh, one mm. girl said, I've got a friend who's a bit like you. And, you know, she can, um, and she said, what's my surname? And I looked in her eyes and letter by letter, I came up with a surname. And she looked at me and said, you got it right. And then I thought she was having a lend of me, at which point she showed me a driver's license and I had. And then I thought it was an eye thing. And then I did it over the phone to a girl in Adelaide about seven months later. And I realized there's something to the universe. There's no way we can know these things, but we do. If we just trust in ourselves, there mm. uh, is a connectivity, call it a, a human Wi-Fi, or I don't know what it is, but after experiencing it, I now trust it. And, and I just go with yeah. it every time. That's a beautiful story. And uh, as you said, nothing really happens randomly. Everything happens for a reason. And I think, you know, I think in the past, all the tech that's been created has been brought in to stifle us, I think. I think it's taken away the power that we have. We're really outsourcing uh, a lot of our power to external agencies like our health, but so much more than just that. And I think if we take back power, you know, we are far more amazing and miraculous than any any most of us can probably imagine. And I think it's just about, like you said, with the kids when they're young, they, they they've they're only they've only been on this earth a very short time. So from wherever they've come from, 
there's much more purity in them. And like you said, they're much more intuitive. Every day I have conversations with kids. Uh, they come into my class and they talk about all sorts of stuff. And so they're very aware of, of many things that are going on. But clearly they're being heavily programmed and indoctrinated to not follow their instincts, to not realize the power they have, to, to be taught what love is. They're being taught that love is something else when, you know, pure and real love is something much greater. And it's it's uh, it's the only truth, really, I think. And I think, yeah, we're just taking our kids and uh, away from all of the, the true meaning of who they are. And that's why I think that we must clearly be run by entities that don't have our best interests at heart whatsoever. Um, but I think, yeah, taking back the power, I think we probably were very telepathic in the old days. We probably um, lived much longer and we're just far more superhuman than we, we even know. And I think the truth is we've got to tap into ourselves. All the answers are staring at us from inside our universes can be inside of us as well as outside i think everything outside there's a great quote i would like to say by by rumi says this place is a dream only a sleeper considers it real then death comes like dawn and you wake up laughing at what you thought was your grief so oh, okay. i think that this is just you know a, a five five cents um virtual reality just like a long movie of however many years we live on it but i think we're eternal beings and this body's just a vehicle and everything's I, I, inside of us you know the way that our body the way that when a woman becomes pregnant you know there's no book that teaches her what to do it's the body knows exactly what to do just like when we cut ourselves the body knows it tries everything to heal itself and I think that, yeah, we're miraculous beings. And, uh, you know, the stuff that you were talking about is very telepathic as well and intuitive. I think if we can tap into that, then, you know, we can do so much more and just not get too caught up in the external world. And just, you know, thoughts create things, don't they? You know, a chair was created by someone's thought. A movie was created by someone's thoughts. We've got to go back to being creative. That's one way as well of defying a lot of the tyranny that's happening. And, you know, these, these are a great expression, which is, I think, therefore, I am. So from thoughts, we can create, you know, the world that we want. And we've got to really uh, not be fearful and go deep within and really have some belief in our own abilities. And then we'll be flying. I, I couldn't agree more. I had a guest last hour. His name was uh, or is uh, Billy T. Kahiki Jr., a, a, a Maori fella, a deeply religious man over there in, in New Zealand. He's starting a COVID inquiry, and, and I, I love that that he's gone to this extra length to do it. And they're looking to, you know, get some charges laid against some of the of the politicians. And he, he reminded me a lot of you, uh, to be honest. He was a man who, who got caught up in all of this, evolved, went along, and just kept doing bigger and better things. So the, the big question is now, what's next for you? Well, where, where do you see yourself in another couple of years? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I want this uh, Planet Uplift to grow. I want it to grow so that it reaches out to a, a wider audience as possible so that people can, you know, tap into the truth. And I think it's about, uh, obviously, I can't, change the world but if i can change myself i could be the change that i i want to see and just inspire other people if possible so i want to be able to motivate more people so hopefully in the future i want to set up a, a podcast and uh, get many more guests on and just expand the the audience you know that it just breaks through everywhere and just becomes unstoppable uh, like a like a snowball effect just rolling and rolling and growing and growing and just tapping into people's potential and magic and being inspiring and uh, getting other people who are going to come on and talk about their inspirational stuff. Like uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I talked to a group of people who are 
who set up a co-op and they're growing food together and they're buying food together direct from the farmers so that you cut out the supermarket. That's really inspirational stuff. They're learning to grow. They're uh, distributing food directly from the local farmers. Uh, and that's really important, you know, for the farmers, for the public, so they get good quality food. That's inspirational stuff. They're actually taking action, you know, not just, uh, you know, keyboard warriors and banging on from the keyboard about all the terrible ills. And it's important that we shouldn't always just see this as a, that we've got to fight. I think we should see as we're going to go with the flow. We're going to do our thing and we're going to do it with love and we're going to be an unstoppable force. And so that's where I want to go. And then I'm probably going to get involved again with my brother because he's got a plan to make a trilogy. So Gods of Their Own Religion is only the first film out of a trilogy. And he's got so much more to offer. He said what he's done so far is just the, the tip of the iceberg, just the beginning. And he thinks that, you know, he's going to do something far more amazing than what he's already done. So I'm going to be helping him produce that as well, that trilogy. So yeah, there's a lot more to come to watch this space here. And I've got absolutely no doubt that'll be the case. The other great takeaway from this is that it brought you and your brother uh, so much closer together. I think that's yeah. a massive takeaway from all of this as well. Yeah, he's been inspiring for me. As he he comes riding his bicycle every Saturday morning and uh, make sure that, you know, we're going to play tennis for about four hours and then he picks <laughs> up a nice green juice for me as well. And he really takes care. We take care of him. I give him a bit of a massage, help him to stretch, and we cook some breakfast together. And then my mum comes down as well. So it's brought all the family together. We have a family day on Saturday together. And it is just we're just really buzzing. And I think the important thing is to just relax as well and spend some time on your own. It doesn't always have to be with people. Sometimes you need a little bit of time on your own or with family or some friends. And just to relax and try not to, to worry all the time. And everything will just come in place. It will just fall into place. You just manifest the good thoughts. You be positive and trust in the universe. Trust in yourself because you're part of that universe. You know, you are me, I'm you. We're just uh, different forms of energy experiencing different things. Yeah, we've got this face, but we've got this body. But we know we're much, much more than that. You know, we're not just even our names. We're that's something that, you know, parents are given to us in most cases, but we're something much greater than that. And we're all really one. We're just tapping into energy and we just got different experiences and we're trying to share all of that. So, yeah, if we see that as we're all one and we can come together, you know, we can we can find peace within ourselves because that's where the real battle is. If there is a battle, I think it's uh, trying to find peace within ourselves. And I think most of the problems we're having is internal, an internal tussle of being afraid and what's real and what's not real. A lot of the fears we have, yes, they're definitely external and they're being put in, into our heads, but a lot of it's our own fears of what might happen. But actually nothing will happen if we, if we don't fear it, nothing will happen. So just, just keep that positivity going. And um, yeah, trust in yourself, I think as well, that's very important and everything will be okay. I, I love what you said. I mean, fear and self-doubt, the two of our biggest mm -hmm. enemies. Um, and again, not leading a, a healthy life. So I love that your brother, you know, drags you along to play tennis for four hours. I wish mm -hmm. I could play it for 40 minutes. Yeah, um, I need to practice that which I preach. But I mean, um, and again, I'm someone who lived something. I had, uh, you know, chronic diabetes. I had peripheral neuropathy to the point where I couldn't sleep at night for well mm -hmm. over a year. And then I, I read and I trusted others. And I learned that if you stop damaging your body, your body will heal. So I fasted. I mean, I, I admit I did kind of cheat and had, had a, a stomach sleeve operation that made me, which made me fast for 12 weeks. But 12 weeks later, 
I no longer had diabetes and I no longer had peripheral neuropathy, something the doctors told me I'd be stuck with for life and would probably lead to amputation. I mean, from that to almost perfect health within 12 weeks, it tells you that a lot that, that we've learned about the big pharma industry over the last three years. I've, I forgot to ask, are, are you the younger or the older brother in the equation? Um, I'm the older brother, about five and a half years, actually, yeah. But I get inspired by my young brother. He's he's incredible. He's got incredible energy. And he's just a force of nature. And, you know, you can ask anyone that meets him and pretty much everyone would agree with that as well. So, yeah, it's not just me saying that. Yeah, he's, he's incredible. He's a real inspiration to me and a lot of people. Well, actually, it's think, great hearing your story, too. Ashwin, I think when it comes to you and Naeem, one plus one equals four. I think you're terrific. I Thank think you're you. rubbing off on each other. Yeah. Mate, you've rubbed off on me. I've enjoyed our chats. Yeah. we got to go, mate. And I'm, I'm really happy we got that extra time to spend today. Ashwin, I'm blessed. I appreciate you, my friend. And we'll talk Thank again you. soon. Thank you. Really great talking to you. An absolute pleasure. And you're an amazing guy yourself. Thank you for telling me all your magic stories as well. And super, super human. You're a super guy. Thank you. We'll be back tomorrow, you. everyone. This is TNT.